0: I'm Charlie Melcher, founder of the Future of Storytelling. Welcome to the FOSS podcast. Today, I get to sit down with two very dear FOSS friends, Kristen Gore and Damian Kulash. These two are the definition of a dynamic duo. Kristen is a New York Times bestselling novelist, as well as an Emmy-nominated TV writer and an accomplished Hollywood screenwriter and Damien is the Grammy-winning lead singer of OK Go, who directed the band's incredibly creative music videos that have been viewed by millions online. Personally, I like to think of them as one of the greatest success stories to ever come out of the future of storytelling, but not necessarily for the reason you'd think. More on that later. Most recently, Kristen and Damien have combined their sizable talents as co-directors on their first feature film, The Beanie Bubble, with the screenplay written by Kristen. The film follows the rise and fall of the Beanie Babies craze and their inventor, Ty Warner, all told through the perspective of three women who were instrumental to his success. Starring Zach Galifianakis, Elizabeth Banks, Sarah Snook, and Geraldine Visanathan, it released in select cinemas in July and is now streaming on Apple TV+. Having had the great pleasure to know Kristen and Damien for many years, I'm excited to get to have a deep and honest conversation about their creative process, the themes of the film, and what it's like to collaborate creatively as a married couple. Please join me in extending a warm welcome to Kristen Gore and Damien Koulash. Kristen, Damien, it is such a pleasure to have you two here on the FOSS podcast. Welcome. It is
1: such an
2: honor. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much. We are very happy to be here.
0: I want to just start by saying congratulations on how amazing... Beanie Bubble is as a movie. I'm so relieved and excited that I loved it when we <laughs> saw it it would have made a very awkward podcast if I had to say oh, it was it was interesting or no, it was fascinating what an achievement <laughs> it certainly is something no, yeah. it was amazing and um just congratulations. it's a beautiful film. thank, thank you so you. much that
1: means a lot that you love it.
0: yeah, it was really fun and and complex and well crafted and A fun ride, too, so
2: bravo. Thank you. Fun ride is actually, like, a really big deal to us. I mean, not, not that that's a surprise, but making things that you actually want to consume... Not just want to have consumed, and not just like feel feel the the intelligence and wonder in, um, but actually like w- just even when you're tired and and have been dealing with your young children and just need to like tune out from the world, and also want to have something smart. It's like a, that's a pretty small bullseye, right? So before we jump into the
0: movie, I thought it'd be nice to start a little bit with your backgrounds, just sort of quickly. Kristen, you're a writer, three novels, wrote for comedies, SNL, Futurama, screenplays, mm-hmm. worked with Spike Jones on her mm-hmm. great, great film. Um, but you really come to this from a background with, as a writer with words and, yeah. and, and experience in movies. Damien, musician, artist. Lead singer of OK Go, that little band that we all fell in love with, uh, because of the extraordinary music videos that you crafted, those went incredibly viral. Talk about joyful rides! They those were incredible joyful rides for so many millions and millions of people. The skill sets seem to me very different, but really complementary. Is that true?
1: Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, we we found it to be true. <laughs> we found it to be true. Um, we discovered early on to our delight that our that our instincts are very aligned and our taste is very aligned. And so we pretty thoroughly agree on what we like and what is good and what we're trying to get out of any kind of Piece of art, or
2: uh, we should also mention that we're married.
1: Oh yeah. Okay.
2: Oh yes. Oh, that. I just am just realizing I'm doing I'm doing that in my going over that in my head and going these, I, these are all very nice things. To say. And then I was realizing like if you don't realize that the two of us are married, that's a really re- that's They're a really sounds weird. Sounds like try. we
1: should get married. Yeah, exactly. Like
0: yeah. um, How would you meet? <laughs> that's
1: such a good question. We first met in high school. Um, we had art class and government club together Mm. we were in different grades and um in the 1990s in the 1990s exactly and we were friendly with each other we liked each other we actually recently found a notebook of Damien's from government club and he's an incredible artist as mentioned and in there there was a full-sketch portrait of me at age 16. Oh,
0: early really <laughs> <They're>, infatuation. <laughs> well,
1: portraits of everyone else in government club, too. Okay. It wasn't special, <laughs> but it was exciting to come across me. <laughs> yeah, and then we didn't um, stay in touch at all for 18 years. Then... There was this thing called the future of storytelling. Oh, which, really? Yeah. Oh, hmm. You've very, probably heard of it. I've it's an it. amazing
2: that? conference that happens <laughs> yeah. that brings together just the most wonderful people in the world to do just the most wonderful things in the world, to learn about just the most wonderful ideas in the world. Yes. You should, you should uh, at I'll some check point, look
0: into it. <laughs> it. Yeah. it.
1: The very first one on Staten Island in 2014,
2: where all great love stories begin. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> Damien was. Speaking at the conference, I was uh, happily attending because it looked so fascinating. He was stalking me. I did not even <laughs> know he was speaking <laughs> was because, as you me. may know, there are different paths through the conference. You can choose different things, and I had chosen, you know, different speakers to go to. So I didn't even know. And in
2: the same way that, for instance, I would draw a picture of her, but then do lots of other pictures to cover for Mm -hmm, it, mm -hmm. she's like, showed up at the conference, but I'm not going to go to the talk. (laughs) (laughs) I see. So I had
1: no idea until the goodbye (laughs) drinks in the garden, and I was actually on my way out, and someone grabbed my arm and said, Kristen, and I turned, and it was Damien. And it was the first time we were seeing each other in 18 years, and We just were very fast friends. We talked for, I don't know, six hours that night and we were friends for a year and then um, got together and got married and had twins. So (laughs) thank you, Charlie, for changing our lives for the better in (laughs) countless ways.
0: All sorts of magic happened at Faust. It's true. <laughs> this yeah. perhaps is it's... the best
2: example, but <laughs> I'm sorry to have derailed your your otherwise um, very factual answer.
1: Yeah, well, factual and romantic. I mean, yeah. it really worked out for us. Faust <laughs> has an incredibly <laughs> special place in our hearts forever. Mm. Um, so that's how so that's how we got together. And then we realized quickly after that um, that we kind of thoroughly agreed on so much. <laughs> the world <laughs> and on about what we wanted to make and um and yet
2: got there g- g- arrived at those conclusions almost i i, I opposite ways like They're we very different w- brains. our brains really are sort of like puzzle pieces that fit together because i mostly work from the back if we want to make a splash of this size, what's what type of cliff do we have to jump off of and what does that cliff look like and what are the last few steps before you jump?
1: Mm-hmm. And I start at the beginning where I'm like, who wants to go to a cliff? What does the cliff represent to them? What's their drive? <laughs> what's <mean>? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and layer forward. And so we kind of put those two things together and we end up in a better place than either of us would have gotten individually, which is a really special and inspiring process and feeling.
2: Is there a simple way you sort of described your creative approaches? Mostly I, th- I think of it as sort of like, I'm not sure what the, uh, it's like deductive and inductive or it's like reverse and forward. I we should We should actually come figure out what those words are. But, you know, it's easy to mistake that for being like one is narrative and the other is structural or something. But it's not really true because we found that the way we think those same two modes of thinking sort of going, um, wait, how are we going to get to this end point versus, wait, what's the natural next step from the starting point? You're always trying to connect a, a starting point and an ending point. And I just happen to always think from the ending point first and she happens to think from the starting point first. I mean, I, I shouldn't say always, but that is usually how we find it. And most most problems don't fall right in the middle either. So it's sort of like, the overall thing we're working on all, has a, a pretty even distribution curve of where the problems are, but any given problem is sort of like, it's it's more something you should just like reverse engineer, and the, or it's more something that you just need to organically grow, and and we don't always know what it is going into it, but but one of us comes up with the answer much faster than the other one usually, depending on which way the thinking sort of works.
1: Yeah, I think I, I, I always have a sort of visual in my head about it, of, of Damien sort of, up above in the sky looking down. Me too, yeah, yes, the, yes, that's what I think. Like the roots of a plant, like, growing up, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. it's sort of uh, meeting there.
2: Yeah, that's really nice. I, know, yeah. I never knew about that visual.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
2: that's beautiful. Uh, the other, th- uh, another way is I run a spreadsheet in my head and she runs a Word document.
1: Yes, that mm-hmm. is true.
2: There, that's yeah. a good summary also. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so let's start with the origins of this movie. Um book a serious non-fiction book called the great beanie baby bubble mass delusion and the dark side of cute by zach is how did you come to that book and how from that book did you decide to make a movie about it
1: yeah the book was sent to me um as a possible adaptation for me to to write and I was surprised when I devoured it how much was in this story because I wasn't Interested in Beanie Babies, I sort of missed the craze when it happened. Didn't care. You don't have a lot of radic. <laughs> I don't. Home. I was. A, we were both the exact wrong age for it. You know, we were in college, and we just kind of skipped it. We were aware of it, but weren't weren't participants. And so, I and that's not the kind of thing I would think I would be drawn to. But
2: <laughs> um, that's a, that is an understatement. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm not big on kind of like consumerist fads. But anyway, I, what was. The, these these women's stories that were in the book and kind of document, documented these journeys of these three women who contributed so much to the phenomenon and didn't get any of the credit or the money were incredibly fascinating to me. And um, and so that's, that's what I really wanted to dive into. I shared it with Damien, who completely loved it too, and we also really uh, were fascinated by The fact that the this one of the most absurd speculative crazes in history came about because of the advent of eBay and the rise of the internet and this like incredibly specific, exciting time in the mid-90s where there were these bubbles of hope and optimism, and all these seeds of now were being planted, and we thought it was all gonna go great. And then (laughs) and then the bubble pops in more ways than one. But um and so we very quickly realized like this is something we wanna direct together. And um um, and we went from
2: there. I actually think it's it's a little bit like taking a, a painting and trying to generate a photograph, a realistic photograph from it. Mm-hmm. Almost because what 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 I found very interesting and inspiring in, 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 in how you approached it was that there's this incredible wealth of information in the book about about, about the this specific episode, but what we were seeing in it was in it was was how telling it was about humanity and about America and about consumerism, about all these things that, like, are underlying the whole thing, underpinning the whole thing, but aren't the story of the book. You know, the, the, the story of the book is basically about economics and about these individual people, and but sort of just, like, little bits of it. And you have to take all those sort of brushstrokes and try to get it to become a much more linear story and um I when I was doing spreadsheet you know I was like I I was going through it going like "Um, all these amazing facts and blah blah blah," and sort of how, how do you what what do you make out of this and Kristen's way of thinking obviously much more much more suited to that process and um and you did make a photograph out of it you know it's like it becomes this very 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 real people in a very real world
1: yeah, and the women they're in Zach Bissnett's book is great and chock full of incredibly fascinating stuff and all the raw material is there. But the the women don't have the sort of focus in the book and that's what compelled us the most so we sort of pulled those journeys out and made them the organizing principle of our film while we're also cuz we didn't want to just tell the story of Ty Warner or a product becoming super popular and making someone a billionaire. Like, that's that's in the movie, but that's not the point of our movie at all.
2: It's Our movie is really something of a bait and switch. Like, yeah. especially mm-hmm. in this time when there's, there are, we didn't know this as we were making it because we didn't know they were in production, but there were so many other, like, Product films right now, um, uh, you know, Air and Flamin' Hot Cheetos and
1: Tetris, Tetris and, and Blackberry and Barbie. Barbie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And,
2: and we haven't seen most of them. I we assume they're great. This is n- nothing against any of them, but we did not at all think of ourselves as making a product movie. It really is more like you you think you're going to learn about Beanie Babies, and actually you don't. You learn about about humanity. Hopefully, yeah.
1: Um, well, I mean because we really wanted it. for us it was about you know, taking a really interesting for us look at assigning value to things, you know, like who we value, what we value culturally, why we value who and what we do, and really looking at the female relationship to the American dream, looking at these systems and cycles of inequality and marginalization and, you know, but with this fun, colorful backdrop of an absurd craze (laughs) where people lost their minds over tiny stuffed beanbag animals, you know? So it was just, it was, we wanted to get it all of that in this joyful, colorful way. And the thing about us collaborating that made it really fresh and special is instead of telling the story in a linear way, um, which there was a linear version of the script, but our movie, for anyone who goes and see it, and I hope everyone does, um, <laughs> <laughs> you'll see it has a very unconventional structure, nonlinear. Um, and that was completely Damien and me like ripping apart the story and rewriting it all to be this, what to us felt like a really fresh original structure. And that was a, a really challenging and, and really fun.
0: And you did that so that you could run through the emotional arc of these three stories in parallel instead of
2: chronologically in sequence exactly. where it would feel repetitive. What we noticed was the same pattern keeps happening in little factoids in this book, and in little in, in little pieces of information, and um, that was the thing that was that made this not the interesting story behind a sort of trivial pursuit answer. You know, like that this isn't just how crazy could America, like how do we get to this crazy point? It's this is the, the these are the crazy that we do every day. I'm not sure if my grammar even works here, but like <laughs> <laughs> that the mundane daily life crazy if you add it all together in certain circumstances it is it, it just it makes beanie babies like it makes this insane um speculative craze out of out of like um mass-produced tchotchkes and, you know like it, it is it, like the most crazy stuff can come from the from the most sort of everyday mistakes i would i would say like mm-hmm. the basic premise of 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 the American dream is sort of, is like somewhere out there you're gonna, like, too good to be true is possible. That you're the one who's going to like crack that code, and and your five dollar purchase is going to be worth two hundred thousand exactly. dollars, right? And 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 that that is um, when you when you step back from it and go, how did how did all of America think that these mass produced things were somehow scarce and valuable and going to put their kids through college? The internet was making it appeared to be making it possible for all of the for us to sort of skip around, like just a little too good to be true, right?
0: And in fact, to some
2: degree, your success. Is, is attributable that. to yeah. that
0: right you, the viral nature of your videos
2: made you famous and yeah i mean this we actually had this discussion the other day is sort of like how how do you how does one feel about social media today or about like virality and all that kind of stuff and i i remember in 2006 or 7 being interviewed about the power of youtube and thinking like and being able to say with no, with, with with no irony that like, this is just going to democratize the way that we all make things. And now a good idea, like there's no gatekeepers and a good idea had in your backyard can vault your band from, I remember saying that a bunch too. Right. (laughs) Right? And, and it was, and it's, and it wasn't wrong. It just, it failed to like that, that, that democratizing power doesn't mean it's going to become um, more sane or more fair. Like, that's a, an amazing thing to tell a story about if you could only think of the one little moment where you could actually put that all like if you could you could see all of that at once and you know what that like then to read this book and realize, oh my God, all of that is the beanie baby thing like like that beanie babies wouldn't have happened at all if it hadn't been for the advent of eBay and what the the all that happened really was that like that the type of investing mistakes that people normally need five hundred thousand dollars or you know a ranch somewhere <laughs> everybody like, like, could do now like now now anybody with a with a you know a phone line and five dollars could could be part of it. and so everybody could see everybody else's transactions or at least a huge number of other people and and it moved that type that sort of like it's too good to be true thinking into a new class of people and it, that was going to happen to some small weird product. It had to have a little bit of false scarcity to it, or, you know, it had, and, and it had to be less than $10, but it didn't have to be stuffed animals, you know? Right.
0: You remind me of one of my favorite, like, moments in the movie, which, because it was just so funny, and it's that moment when the young 19-year-old is showing Ty eBay, and we're waiting for the photos to load, because it's an early version, and it is taking forever. And it finally comes up, and he says, wow, so fast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Everybody dies laughing. <laughs> but it was just like to recapture the innocence of, you know, the internet at that moment in time, or the excitement for it. The movie watches really smoothly, but there's a lot of complexity. Um, you have three voiceovers, you have these three main characters. We're jumping back and forth in time throughout. On top of that, there's also a really complex color strategy going on there, right? Because you establish colors for each character and you intentionally built each frame. I mean, I guess where I'm going is some of this feels like the kind of meticulous craftsmanship that you brought to your music videos, where they were truly like Rube Goldberg-esque produced works of art, you know, where everything was just perfect and had to be thought through, or I guess really worked backwards <laughs> through. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, how much of that craft from music videos were you bringing to, to this? Was that, I'm looking at you, Damien, as I'm saying this, but you know, maybe this was just as much Kristen.
2: We wanted there to be this very, very specific color scheme for the film. If you ever noticed it, aggressively like if it ever became a thing that takes you out of the film it has now failed so it's sort of like you're trying to write a code underneath the the whole rest of the thing that goes that that you feel but you don't see and so there's this real back and forth between our two ways of thinking in terms of how far you can go with that because you want it to be enough that it that you can never lose it and you want it to be little enough that it never pokes through the surface and you're going, is this a Crayola commercial or like?
1: And then it ends up being in service of what we're trying to communicate, which is is a kind of fable or fairy tale. Like having that slightly heightened but not distracting feeling helps bring you into that world. I appreciate
0: your describing it a little bit as a fable because it does have that kind of morality tale to it. But then you also put all of this real footage from the time, like n- news reports and, you know, footage where we see the factual reality of the beanie bubble, you know, craze, yeah. beanie baby bubble. So in a way there's also like a documentary mm. film cut in, because you are still telling the story of the Beanie baby craze mm-hmm. um, with that kind of footage, as well as some of the story of those years in American history. Right. So I, I did have this moment of thinking, wow, there's this kind of like a documentary cut into a into a fictional fable. Mm-hmm. Was that intentional? Were you, you know, there's a lot of that footage there.
1: Yeah, I know it was intentional because we wanted to honor <laughs> what the the anchor craze was for the stories we were telling. And we also wanted to contextualize it in the cultural and political companion pieces that were happening and unfurling at the same time. And so for us, that was really important to make sense of it all in our brains and souls as we were exploring these stories. and And they ended up being helpful signposts too because of how we have this time-shifted narratives and this unconventional uh, non-linear structure, then it is helpful to see some of that documentary footage of the actual craze. It's also helpful to see some of the political things going on at the same time to orient the audience in time as we're switching around. So for us, it was just a way of telling the story in the most thorough and complete and interesting mode possible, in our opinion. And it was fun to have that kind of stylistic Variety, really, but well, 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 hopefully, it feels of a piece.
2: Um, I'm very glad to hear you ask about that that documentary footage. Mm, Seventy or eighty percent of that we filmed ourselves. Oh,
0: really? It, um,
2: all of the events that are that are depicted are real oh, right. um, in terms of the news stories, but most of those news anchors are actors that we had to hire.
1: A lot of it, we were recreating right. actual archival footage, right. you know. I mean, and we show that the scene of the couple divorcing in a court in Las Vegas and having to split up their Beanie Baby collection. And there's a real photo of there's that a couple. Very famous real photo. And, and we could not, we did not use that real photo, but we recreated that real photo. Yeah,
2: <laughs> so, so the we inset did that. photograph in that is, not, is right. uh, looks very, very similar to the real one, but is right. that we had to shoot ourselves.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. But there's another set of, of documentary footage which has to do with what's happening politically.
1: Right, and that's what oh, I was talking real, about.
0: Yeah. Yes, that like that, that is all real. that shot where uh, over the shoulder we see on the television Clinton impeached. Right. Uh, which to me was a tell uh, because <laughs> I realized that there's another story going on here. We talked about how the internet was an important part of your personal backstory, yeah. Damien. Kristen, there's a story here about Bill Clinton as president and his impeachment and... You know, some people have said that actually it was his infidelity and impeachment that led to your father, Al Gore, not becoming the president, mm. the next president. And I wondered if you saw some some parallel there between Ty's story and Bill Clinton's story. Feel free to tell me I'm overstepping my bounds as a friend, but.
1: The beanie baby craze, that bubble, happened in the exact years of the Clinton administration, and
2: ninety two to two thousand. Exactly, I mean it's it's it's.
1: It's uncanny.
2: Out. Right on the money. Yeah. Right.
1: <laughs> and so, and you know, we talked about bubbles of of hope and optimism and feeling like okay, things are going to, you know, turn around. The boomers are coming in. They're going to fix everything, <laughs> 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 you know, and... and, and
0: Vote Clinton Gore. <laughs> right,
1: exactly. And there was a lot of, of hope and excitement and a lot of progress and change, and, um, and then things didn't completely turn out the way that everyone hoped. And so there were bubbles that popped in both cases, um, and... You know, the 2000 election was a was a big bubble pop um, and a big, <laughs> big disillusionment, a big letdown for democracy um, to have the Supreme Court intervene in the way that they did. And so that, you know, part of the what we wanted to explore with our movie, the larger themes are also just we talked about assigning value and and bubbles and, and what you believe in and and. Um, and what you do with disillusionment too and all of that you know we're telling this particular story but it resonates culturally in a much larger space and that was something that we wanted to contextualize
2: mm-hmm. when you start thinking when you when you pull at the thread of where does this value come from and why did we think it was valuable and whose collective delusion is this, it, it doesn't just stop at Beanie Babies, you know? And, and so I think that bubble, that bubble of hope starts pointing at a whole lot of other things too. You're sort of like, is democracy a bubble or is America a bubble? Is capitalism a bubble? Like all of these things that everybody sort of feels are, are fundamental to our society, at least, if not something larger than just ours are all just as arbitrary as the system that we are talking about here they're just a lot bigger and a lot more weighty and so having this having that 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 historical alignment really helped bring that into focus is sort of like now that we see how dark technology is 20 years out like look at the presidency
0: <laughs> so let's bring it back from the you know the the myth of the whole country down to your own personal experiences i mean the opportunity to make a major feature film. I mean, you've been probably both dreaming about this uh, to some degree for your whole lives, right? That's making it, right? (laughs) You you finally got the opportunity. I mean, can you say how big a budget, how many people? Like, this is a big scale production.
2: I will say that like on our big day, our crew was about 500 people. It was easily the largest thing that either of us have ever been involved in. And we're still sort of pinching ourselves every day going like, I can't believe we got to do this. And what was it like
0: for the two of you to work together? It's not that common to have directing teams. Perfect in every way.
2: <laughs> and we'll leave it
0: at that. Yeah.
2: No, I mean, we um, obviously we don't agree on everything, but luckily I'm always right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's good for him to always think that and then to just make it happen the other way. But no, we, we as we said earlier, we do agree on like 95% of things, and, and that's super helpful. And having someone beside you who you trust so completely and you know is so smart and so artistic and, and so authentic and good to help you, like you together trying to get this to a place that, um, will be meaningful and joyful that there's nothing like that. Like it's, it's, I can't imagine um a better scenario than to have a partner you trust completely because you make things better together you know so that was an inspiring feeling throughout
0: was there something that
2: you learned about each other through this process that you didn't know beforehand you learn a lot about someone from parenting with them you know and this is this this has a ton of overlap with that you know it's sort of like um problems thrown at you all day long joyous wonderful problems thrown at you all day long that you have slightly different instincts about that mostly overlap but where they don't there's sort of the like wait the, the how could you pull that rug out from underneath me this is not what life is like that's not a, what you know and and that trying to find find in those moments um a way to make it all better because of that they go like oh maybe i was like if you think if we don't agree on this, I guess it's not so obvious. Or if we don't agree on this, maybe we need to keep working on it. Or like, and that that is much more approachable when it's a a a project that is involving a whole bunch of other adults and, a, and an actual end product and a, and a bunch of processes that you can talk about as opposed to just like have to sort of dance around the way you do with little children. Um, some of it was very similar, but. But in the way that you learn a million things about someone from co-parenting with them, you this, this is the same. It's like you could I can't figure out where the end of that list is because it's sort of like we know each other so much better than we ever did before.
1: Yeah, that's very true. We definitely definitely like really deepened and strengthened our relationship in a lot of ways because we just went through so much every day in all these different ways. Um, I
2: mean, and for her to learn how right I was about everything, really, that's valuable really for both of us. Yeah. yeah,
1: I learned that he repeats unfunny jokes over
2: <laughs> and over. Well, that was not, that, I was doing that well before the movie. Well,
1: that's, that's good, that's true. It just, yeah, really became clear. <laughs> Sometimes
2: I have to remind her how funny I am, but it's close, she always gets it in the end. So. Would you do it again together?
1: I think so. We, we really are. I mean, you should answer too. (laughs) We really, it was so exhausting and so depleting that we were just enormously burned out at the end and needed a really big break. Um, We're still in that, (laughs) in that, but we're also really happy and proud of what we made and are excited to share it with the world. And it feels the fact that we were able to make something together that, really delivered on the vision right. um, that feels like such a coup you know and so we don't take that lightly you know we know that special a special feeling for us to have and we'd like to to um, to repeat it I'm sure but it's also such a huge, undertaking uh, with small children that it's not you know we're not going to rush into it again because you have to be very thoughtful about how we do it it's a it's a huge commitment should we be lucky enough to have the opportunity to do it again <laughs> of course but right. that's does that sound accurate to you Damian
2: whatever you say boss yeah <laughs> um, no i i um, i'm i'm just trying I'm, I'm taking a moment to think if i can eat how what the most honest answer i really have is because i'm i I think that I, I was realizing it matters to me how this plays in the world. And I was going, do I really care about, like, is, don't I, don't, don't I know already what, like, we made it or we did, like, right, the, the work is that Meaning
0: there. the response to the film and its success would, would influence your
2: answer. Well, like, if it's really successful, sure, you do it again. No, well, that, that's what I was worried. I was thinking, I was like, why does it matter? Like, um... Obviously, everybody wants the the world to like the things they do, and 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 whether or not we have the opportunity again has everything to do with that. But but I'd like to believe that um, that that having made the piece, I now know what I feel about it, and it doesn't really matter what the world thinks like that. You one would like to believe that, but and so as I plumb that answer in my mind, I'm realizing I think really what it is is that when I look back at the things I've done earlier in life and how and 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 how I feel about them now it's not necessarily their level of success or sort of recognition or anything that makes them good or bad. But there is something about, um, that settles within you about whether or not it was quote unquote worth it. You know, that right now we are at the sort of, um, we're at the finish line of something that was really, really difficult, really, really gratifying, really, really, um, I'm really proud of what we made. I don't yet know if it was worth it or not because I'm still in it and and I've and I Yes, the world's reaction to it, in, in sort of it, whether success, not success, will help balance that. But probably more just because it will amplify my own feelings about it. If this goes out with a whimper right now, then then we have this really intense moment, and I will always have this film. But if it becomes the thing that that I that we wound up we wind up talking about at dinner parties for the rest of our lives, then like <laughs> it's going to be a much bigger part of us, regardless of whether or not it has any, you know, whether or not it made anyone any money. It's going to take a while to know how we feel about what, the, what like, it was just too intensive an experience to know if these are sunny memories or or dark ones yet. I, I wonder, too, particularly
0: given the conversation we had a few minutes ago about the change in making things on the internet, the download speeds and the, the ability to add images and all of that, how technology is going to transform the craft of filmmaking over the next few years. Mm-hmm. Um, I but, mean, yeah. it... it The 500 people and three months, and giant sets, and big budgets, and all of that might be we're maybe just a few years away from it being you two and an AI (laughs) sitting down and making this movie. I mean,
1: let's hope not. And we have uh, several strikes going on right now about a lot of those issues and we're in full solidarity with the Writers Guild and with the actors. Um, So we, (laughs) uh, you know, there's a lot of of exploration and resolution that needs to happen before anyone gets back to work making anything because right now it's... uh, Uh, an unequal and um, really immoral situation (laughs) that is in search of resolution.
2: Resourcefulness is sort of at the heart of creativity. There's no question that that technology will change, you know, it, it does change what resourcefulness means. And that has been, uh, um, for me personally, a big, big part of, of being creative over my whole life is sort of like, what is this tool and how do I play with it? The, the incredible speed with which, which technology is changing will change what it means to be resourceful. On the other side of that, there's this sort of like, our current understanding of AI is that it, is, it aggregates and finds patterns in existing human work that suggests a very depressing future of non-growth that basically you can have as many poems as you want for the, for all of the rest of time and all of them will be identical to the poems we've already had. It
1: would be as if a major studio just kept remaking the same movies over and over. Can you imagine any studio that would do that?
0: How, how strange <laughs> that things would change to that state of affairs. Yeah, yeah, that
1: would be bizarre.
0: Yeah, I mean, isn't that to some degree what we've always done, right? The yeah. great right. stories we, we retell in different forms over and over again. The optimistic view, of course, is that it's just another very super-powered tool and that we humans will still keep control of it, right? Like, and it'll help us continue to tell stories that are human and emotional
2: and resonant. Like and, the way we control social media, right? You know, and right. how, it's, <laughs> how great it is for us. Yeah,
1: techno optimism was <laughs> is so nineties. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I've got if you believe that I've got some beanie babies for you. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I can't wait for the next. Story that you two decide to collaborate on and tell because I so enjoyed this one. And thank you for spending the time with me today. It's just always such a pleasure to hang out with you too. It's been you. so fun, Charlie. We thank love you. you, Charlie. Oh, love you too.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm Charlie Melcher, and this has been the FOSS Podcast. Thank you for listening are passionate about making and sharing stories in any form, the future of storytelling is the community for you. In addition to this show, we have a free monthly newsletter, Fost in Thought, and an annual membership called the Fost Explorers Club, which you can learn more about online at fost.org. Who knows, maybe you'll even meet your future spouse Lost Podcast is produced by Melcher Media in collaboration with our friends and production partner, Charts and Leisure. Hope to see you again soon for another deep dive into the world of storytelling. Until then, please be safe, stay strong, and story on.